Hey, everybody. Welcome to Deering Live. Uh, really excited about this week. Um, it's just me this week. My uh, trusty uh, co-host, Jamie Laddie, is uh, taking a much-needed day of R&R &R, uh, to be with the family. But um, So it's just me, and then we have Jonathan Frazier in the background uh, doing the production. But um, before we get started, anybody, I'm heading out to Rocky Grass next week to, to man the uh, Deering uh, booth with uh, John Kavanaugh, Evangio Pickup. So if anybody's watching, anybody heading out to Colorado, come come say hi, and uh, be glad to see you. Check out some banjos. We can play some tunes together, too. Um, and uh, so here we go. I see Jamie's with us, though. He's not. He's with us in spirit. He's in the chat. He's so excited. So glad to have him here. But anyways, this is going to be fun. Uh, we have Chris Pandolfi, uh, one, of the, one of the top three-finger, five-string banjo players on the scene today. Just an excellent uh, banjo player, founding member of the uh, infamous String Dusters, the first uh, banjo uh, student at the Berkeley um, College of Music string program. And uh, he's, as well, he's very busy, host of a great podcast that, that uh, uh, we sponsor as well, Inside the Musician's Brain, that you should definitely check out. He produces other bands, and uh, he has his own solo projects out. So he's a he's a busy guy, but uh, so really excited to, to chat with him. So without further ado, let's let's bring him into the into the call. <laughs> What's up, David? Hey, man! Great to see you. Thanks yeah, for being here. Great to see you too, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate yeah. it. It's been a bit getting this together, but but we're here finally. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> um. Anyways, well, before we get into it, why don't we just kick it off, loosen things up, and have you play it? Yeah, this is one called Silver Droplet from Trance Banjo, my last solo record. Thank you. 
that's also the theme song to your to your podcast, is it? Uh, so the the theme song is a different one, actually. Right. The, the theme song is called "Asleep at the Wheel of Fortune," and and it's a uh, it's a different tune, but same record, both off Transbanjo. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, one thing I saw right at the beginning before you kind of started the tune, did you do sort of a little warm up? like thing to get yourself going it's, it's something i've seen bella do a lot too yes. when he solo. yeah yeah i i will come right out and admit that i have a, a a healthy fear of playing solo it's never really been like my thing um and yeah it really helps me just to get you know my my fingers moving yeah. and just just to just to get the feel banjo is very particular that way and and um, you know, one of a million things I've learned from interviewing all these great guests on my podcast, Inside the Musician's Brain. I'll never forget, I was talking to Holly Bowling, the great piano player who plays with Green Sky and whatnot. And I was sort of picking her brain like, so the piano's out there on stage and you're back there in the green room. Like, how do you get warmed up? And it was really interesting to hear her talk about it because like a lot of things in life, you know, it's really just a function of what you're used to. And when you're a piano mm -hmm. player, you're not accustomed to having the keys on hand. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's often a, a very stationary thing, if you will. And and so yeah, it's it's something it's something that I think us string players, you know, get very used to. The idea that, you know, when I'm getting ready for a show and I'm backstage, I'm I'm very much, you know, getting acquainted and getting the feel and 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 for me it's so much of it is about my right hand but also just about like the musicality element of it i mean you know that wasn't a perfect rendition of that tune but but the important thing is you know that you're that you're in it and so i'm trying to kind of fire up that that engine and sort of get that muscle going and just just to be in in the tune and present with the music and and it's actually been a it's been great you know preparing for this like like a lot of things you know a challenge adversity those are like really our chance to grow as musicians as human beings and so it, it's been cool i i i sort of had to figure out you know what what am i going to play and then i realized how seldom i hang you know i play a lot here at home and, and practice as as all my peers do and um and so rarely do I sit and play music like, well, here's the beginning and then I'm gonna go through this song and here's the end. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I am in, a, I think, a really good practice groove for me these days, but this was a chance to, to kind of do that, you know? And, and I even recorded myself playing and, and just, to check it out and, and see kind of what's going on. And and it's not only about playing something through, but also trying to understand what sounds good solo, you know, because certain things I find sound much better than others. And I, you know, I, I gravitate toward tunes that dictate both the melody and the harmony at the same time. So if I'm just playing like what I'd play for a solo, but you don't understand what's that supposed to be juxtaposed against, you know, I don't have the band behind right. me or whatever, then the ideas can can get a little lost. But um, 
but yeah, it, it's it's been it's been cool getting ready for this, and I, I I can't say I've totally conquered that fear, but you know, like like I said, those are those are opportunities to to grow and evolve, and so you know, I I embrace the challenge. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've run, I'm running a lot of five string, three finger style five string manager players, I think, have this issue of, of doing the show. It's run across this a number of times, you know, from very high profile players. And they're like, you know, they don't, they don't generally don't play solo. Um, I've run into this also when people like there's a banjo at a party or something. They're like, play something. Don't you play banjo? And so it's like you rarely play a tune that like people are just going to by yourself, that people are just with a beginning and end that people are just yeah. going to listen to. It's like, I'm not going to play like a, a, a lead solo banjo break for people sitting around in a living right. room. Yeah. But there, but there are ways to do it, you know, and, and, and actually that one, that one is more of, of like a, a, a straight up tune, but yeah. you know, you can hear the chords and then like that's, those are bass notes. Yeah. You know, then you get a little melody. Chord. You know, so there are some chords in there, but especially yeah. especially that B part. are very clear in there so that was mm -hmm. kind of why i why i gravitated toward that one but then you know i have other tunes tunes that i played with the dusters um tunes on my solo records especially on trans banjo which is like really heavy on creative outside the box production that the banjo part I, to me just doesn't sound like too much on its own you know so mm -hmm. th these are all the aesthetic choices that we make as as players and and sort of the things that I think that you figure out on the path to developing, you know, your own voice, which for me is, is sort of, I'd say like my primary goal with banjo, you know, I, I don't, you know, though I love traditional bluegrass and there's so many banjo players who I look up to and I work on that stuff hard, you know, but, it, but it's not like my native lexicon like some people like for me i really like to find the things that i can do differently on the banjo whether that's writing or improvising and of course when you're writing a lot of those things come out and i think that's where you you eventually sort of like develop your own style if that makes sense yeah definitely definitely um and getting into writing when you kind of when you have a like a loose idea, is it it's generally a, like a melodic idea, or is it, or sometimes just a chordal thing? Or but how do you have do you have kind of a consistent approach or, that you kind of get to when you start writing a piece? Especially, I guess it'd be different when you're playing, writing for a band versus writing for some of your solo projects that have more of a, a loopings and a synth pad or something going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. I. You know, there's a few different kind of approaches that I take. I think I think the first thing that I learned was just, you know, writing banjo tunes that I would play like with a string band. And a lot of times when you're writing those tunes, like for that one, Silver Droplet, they often start with just some cool kind of, I, kind of riff. And for me, it was just that. And then yeah. you get this great. 
C. Lydian voicing, you know? Really, really cool sound with with the F sharp in there, you know, that... It's like yeah. that magic. And so, you know, it started with that as kind of a hook, and then some chords, and then, you know, and it's not unlike writing a, a song. You know, a song starts, I think oftentimes our songwriting, the first thing we come up with is oftentimes the most compelling thing. But then the challenge to me is finishing it, is finding a vehicle for that thing. Because the whole song can't just be hook, 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 hook. I mean, it's gotta right. be a hook and an idea that's you, that's your voice. And then it's gotta be this vehicle, this rapper, you know, that that holds the song, that delivers the melody. And that's, that, you know, that can, you can take that a long way. So of course, when you're writing, it starts out with, you know, you got the melody and then oh, here are the chords. And then like for a lot of my solo stuff, it's on to the business of production, which I love working as a producer. And I love, I love a great song, but I just as much as a great song, I love a really compelling sound. And I think sounds move people just as much as lyrics do. Lyrics are the thing that we connect to in a way that we can understand the most, but I think that sounds can move you just the same. So when I'm writing for like the string dusters, for example, I have a very clear directive and I know what I'm going to have backing me up and I know what I need to come to the table with. Here's the melody, here are the chords, here's a basic arrangement. But when I'm doing my trad plus thing, like for Transbanjo, for example, a lot of those songs started actually with the production. So I, I put a beat down in Pro Tools and then I found some vinyl samples that I thought were cool and started to kind of layer it all up. And 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 then I started to play along with it on banjo, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and then figure out what sounds cool. And then maybe that will inform some of the production ideas and then I'll evolve the the banjo composition part and and it all sort of goes together. And I know a lot of artists who work like that, where the composition and the production are kind of rolled into one. I actually did a great interview today um, for an episode of Inside the Musician's Brain this season with the Milk Carton Kids, a really cool oh, yeah. band. And they were describing, you know, how they spent months in the studio and, and just approached songwriting in this totally different way. So instead of saying, you're going to show up with the song done. You actually show up without the song done. Right. You're there to make the song. And cool. and it was cool hearing them talk about that because, you know, that's not typically how how I do it like in the string dusters world. We usually get together and we show these songs and sure. and, and it just goes to show you there are a million different ways to do all of this and to arrive at this at this uh, you know, at, at the various many end products that we all come up with. Yeah. Do you have a way of capturing your ideas when they come to you so they don't just disappear? That, my friend, is a little thing we call voice memos on right. the iPhone. <laughs> and I, it's funny because, um, you know, I could I could grab my phone and look, but I know for a fact that I'm, you know, somewhere I'm over a thousand, you know, easily yeah, yeah. over a thousand. And and actually that this thing 
that was a little idea. And 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 that's a pretty enduring idea for me. Actually, the 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 last tune that I'm going to attempt to play a little later on is this sort of etude compositional thing that grew out of that. And and that's that's a that's a common approach for me. Like I when I'm trying to work on my playing, you know, I'm really focused on making the most of of my practice time these days and I I went through a long call it slump where I was really looking for my inspiration and my mojo and now I'm 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 back you know to where I'm feeling musical again of course new challenges arise and there's always something that you're working on but on to the business of really working on music anyway and if I want to improve as a musician and if I want the ideas that I'm coming up with in my practice to actually appear in my playing I need to kind of take this additional step and you know we can talk more about this this is a great thing that I get into with all my students of taking these ideas and being very deliberate about putting them in context so that can be a few different things that can be like writing one of these etudes mm -hmm. like i'm mentioning um you know so so that could be like a thing like that where i'm moving just like i'm playing these like these voicings on on one three and four you know these these really nice voicings and then i'm just moving the bass note on four so So that there I'm taking the idea and sort of extrapolating it out and finding all those permutations. But then it's usually either one or two things. It's writing, like I say, like like an etude or, or, or a, a tune. I mean, it is a tune. It might not be something that you're going to really like feel like is in your repertoire. You know, it might not make the cut. Yeah. Um, or what I do is I just will take a... Um, a fiddle tune and I will basically write a solo. You know, I don't actually write it down, but I come up with with all all of uh, you know, with I come up with a very deliberate way of putting these new ideas into a tune. So I'll give you an example. So I was practicing the other day. Uh, let's see. And I came up with and what what I what I was thinking to myself and 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 this is this is often where the ideas start for me, and I bet it's true for a lot of banjo players, is like, oh, when I get to this certain lick or area, I always kind of do the same thing. So how can I create, um, how can I create some possible variations that are on the table for me to actually really improvise, to, to do something fresh and, and different, you know, and, and on the fly, and of course, these are relative terms with banjo because us banjo players, we think a lot in like blocks or licks, you know? And, mm -hmm. and of course I really want to like deconstruct that as much as I possibly can. And single string is a great vehicle for that because you can just kind of think. I can just really be linear and note to note and thinking on the fly but scrugs and melodic they're not like that you know they, they really present a different challenge so i notice every time every time i get to here i always you know i'm sort of playing a blues riff you know and i get and i get to this third fret of 
of the uh, third string and I always release to the open position. So, you know. So what could I do? What, what could I do from here to do something different so that I don't just mm -hmm. go to the open position? Right. And so I, I, I came up with. You know, so I'm playing. Okay. Right. And and then and then I really try and find as many variations of that as I can. Now I'm not like some people who you know there there are musicians out there who are like, I'm going to find every permutation there is, and and there's a value in that. And I, I remember like I got Pat Cloud's book back in the day, and it was like you know here's here's the oh. E flat melodic scale two octaves, and in my mind. The way my brain works, I'm just I'm not going to use that. You know, I, sure. I need ideas that that fit um, sort of my concept of music, which might be a little bit straighter, but also and maybe more importantly, ideas that I can get my hands around. So if all we ever do is make up impossible stuff for ourselves <laughs> to play, and right. I, I have been very guilty of this in the past, um, then are those ideas really going to appear in our playing? Well, look at the total flip side of that spectrum. What if we came up with really simple ideas that we could really throw down on, say, live at a show, you know? Right. Well, there's there's something there, you know, and we have to find that matrix. You know, we can't all be Bela Fleck, you know, we can't right. all be Scott Vestal, but we have to figure out our own path to making really convincing music. And, you know, I'm still working on this and refining it and, and and you know i've done so much technical stuff with my right hand in these recent years and and, and another thing that we can talk about but you know it's I, it's for me it's like finding a lick that makes sense like that one and then i'll just play you a few like permutations like take the time and I and I just do this slowly you know and yeah. and, and and I remember a, a really good friend who actually was on zoom for a couple hours with last week my buddy Ben Krakauer incredible banjo player not too many people know about him because he's not really out there with a band um, the way I am or, or some other people are but he's an incredible player and we met right as we were both learning banjo and i remember he said to me back in the day you know we were talking about what we do to improve and practice and he just talked about playing very slowly you know and 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 the way that and i know for me that that really works if i can get something going slowly and get my hands around it and feel relaxed with both hands and and the idea becomes part of my language then i can really work it up to speed and i don't I don't get messed up when I come up with something and I forget about it because to me that's just a sign that it's not really a part of my native language, you know. So right, right. I stretch, I stretch and I'll make these voice memos 
and I have, you know, once every six months I start a new one and they'll go like 10 minutes long. And it's like all these different like lick ideas. And then I'll spend a week or two and part of my practice will be going back through that and listening and, and practicing them. And then I get onto the business of playing musically, which occupies most of my practice time, just the art of kind of trying to be present with the music and be, you know, as, as tuned into what you're doing as you possibly can. And those licks start to come out, but not all of them. And the ones mm -hmm. that fall by the wayside, I'm just kind of like, oh, well, that's a sign that that, you know, I, I try to come up with this, a wide swath of variations and then kind of see what sticks, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's, there's a lot there, but there's, there's a lot that was, is, there's really good, really good tips there. Um, I could see the way you're playing those licks. It felt like there was something you could do. Like they were like they're new, but they you weren't. The groove was there in, in while you were playing them too. It wasn't it wasn't you know all choppy. You're still keeping the groove of of the um, uh, you know of, of what's in your head. Um, yeah, and if and they it, start coming out choppy, that yeah, I mean, again, that that's sort of a it's sign, like, you know, and right. and I try to encourage people um, to gravitate toward things that they really can get yeah. their hands around, because you know, of course, underneath all this is the reality that rhythm is what makes all of this stuff go, you exactly. know, and so when I'm practicing, especially when I'm practicing slow. like the first thing yeah. I'm focusing on. And if the rhythm is there, and banjo is such a great um, example of this. Like we, we have all these these great players, you know, in our world, like from super complex, like guys like Bela or great example. I just interviewed Alison Brown. I listened to her new record, which is phenomenal. Her, her new record on banjo. And yep. I, I listened to it and it was like, I, I was inspired. I just thought, man, you know, she is at the top of her game. I thought the same thing about seeing Bela with all this My Bluegrass Heart. He is sounds better than he ever has. And you, you wonder, you know, how how is that possible with all that complexity? But then at the other end of the spectrum, we have people like Jim Mills. And the playing, relatively speaking, is simple. You know, he's not playing single string. He's not playing all these crazy passages up the neck. However, the music hits just as hard. There are even gonna be people who that stuff hits harder than like Bela or Allison or someone, you know, in, in sort of that area. So like I say, banjo is a great teacher that rhythm is is the fundamental thing. You know, if, if the rhythm is there, then the music can be compelling. Exactly. I 100% agree. I just try to stress that with my students all the time. You know, there's there's rhythm, harmony, and melody, the three, you know, legs of, of, of music, but the rhythm is the is the big one that's that's holding it up. It Without really, that, it doesn't work. Exactly, exactly. And and for us on banjo, it's, it's the right hand. The yeah. right hand is everything. And, 
you know, I I struggled for I struggled with it for a while, and and it was it was partly the pandemic, but it was partly. It, it wasn't just the pandemic. It was it was a long arcing thing of coming into my career as a professional and sort of making that transition from, you know, just being passionate about music to like all of a sudden, you know, your heroes are in the front row and you're a Telluride and you're playing a solo and you look down and like Jerry Douglas is eating a sandwich, you know, looking at his cell phone and you're like, oh my God, like I got to get on this, you know? And, <laughs> How do I make and, him not look at his phone? Exactly. And, <laughs> and, 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 and we, we very naturally become aware of these things. And, you know, what I'm learning and what I'm working still on now every day like like on this stream is a, is a is an example you know is is not to want to feel a different way than i might feel if i'm call it nervous or excited and and then if i feel like that takes me in the wrong direction my brain might start to say to me oh you 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 want to work on feeling another way and actually the reality is that it's much more about becoming comfortable with that feeling and so you know, I've learned that there's a great lesson in there. And if you can, if you can get down to the hard, hard, humbling work of playing in that space and understanding that you have to be focused on the music, you have to be present, you have to be listening and you let all that carry you away. You stop thinking about your technique. You stop thinking about what you can't do. That is a whole separate thing from learning melodic licks, you know, mm -hmm. like the melodic licks and the scrugs and the understanding of music and theory and all this stuff that comes first. Then you need to learn how to do it in front of people and how to do it in pressure situations. And I think some people are much better at this naturally than others. Yeah. And we all have our strengths and, 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 and just, just like everyone else, there's things that I can do that other people can't do. But I don't think about those things when I'm down on myself. I just think about the things that other people can do that I can't do. And you sort of have to rebalance that and just get comfortable, I think, with with who you are and what you can do. Because the reality is that you don't need unbelievable technique to move someone with music or with anything. All you really need to do is to believe in what you're doing. And that is, you know, I think a lifelong journey for for me and probably for many people. But I know, you know, it was a thing that like snuck up on me and just sort of the slow passage of time. And then I wake up one day and I'm like, man, I, I just really feel like I'm underperforming and inconsistent. And for me, it was a lot of inconsistency and I'd feel great one night and then the next night, not as much. And 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 so you know first it was this big mission to change my technique and we can we can talk more about that too but i used to anchor with one finger and now i anchor with two um and i find if i can really if i can relax my middle finger I can relax my middle finger and not have it be pulling against my ring which was took me a while to get just muscle memory my hand is much more stable 
And, and that's really getting at this thing of consistency. Now I feel much more consistent in my technique when I'm dialed in. Now I'm really working much more on the performance aspects and, and these things that I was just mentioning. This, this sort of like not wanting to change what's going on, but rather accepting what's going on and becoming comfortable with it. And acceptance is, you know, is a great lesson that we all work on in music, life, it's everywhere, you know, accepting what is and easing up on this idea that we're in control or we can change things or whatever. It's very, it's humbling and then it's it's freeing and it's not something you ever complete either. It's like a daily thing where you, you need to renew that and, and think about it and and so, yeah, these are these are a lot of the, the things I'm focused on, but it, it took me a while, but it, it was, you know, that was my sort of pandemic assignment. And, you know, I I I went into it because I, I actually started playing with two fingers. And then mm -hmm. when I started my professional career and I was living in Nashville, I felt like I had hit a wall. And so I started anchoring with just my pinky and it worked great for a while. And just like everything, we evolve, we change, and right. and and it took me a while to get it going again. But I'm, I really feel like in the last say six months or so, I've started to hit a new stride where it feels like it's undoubtedly for me. And this technical stuff is a very personal thing. No two people are the same, and there's enough great players who anchor one that. You cannot say to someone, you got to anchor too, or you got to do things this way. Actually, what working on technique is really all about is very personal. It's all about how, how do I do this best, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it takes, for me, a lot of experimentation to understand what that is, but, and how that works. But, you know, now I'm just getting to the point yeah where like i say my middle finger is not like restricted by my ring finger anchored on the head and and then you just start to get that you know that relaxed fluidity and that's what makes again any instrument sound good because that's that's the rhythm right there with ban and banjo it's it's the right hand yeah well do you want to play another tune for us sure yeah absolutely um this is one this is one from my first album uh actually second album my first album is called the handoff and um good luck finding that you know i made that in my bedroom when i was at berkeley <laughs> Uh, but there's some really cool stuff on there and some great players on there. Chris Eldridge, Andy Hall, Nate Leith, one of my favorite fiddle players ever. Zach Hickman, um, the person who first introduced me to to Critter. And, um, and you know, like I said, made that one on my first computer and, and um, sort of recording cool. set up. And, and then I did a record when I was living in Nashville called Looking Glass and um, you know, still really proud of that record. I, I engineered it myself at, at, at that iteration of my home studio because I've always oh. just loved producing. And I, I, I love banjo very much, but you know, through that door back there, there's a zillion instruments and analog synths and 
strings and and things that I can't play like I can play banjo, but mm -hmm. I can, <clears throat> excuse me, I love picking them up in the studio and just being creative with them. And honestly, there's something there about playing instruments that you don't know very well. Totally. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a great um, s sort of view into like what they call the beginner's mind. One of my favorite mm -hmm. books ever, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. You know, yeah. this idea that if we can keep conceptualizing ourselves as beginners, the learning curve remains steep. And um, and I'll share, before I play this soon, one, one cool thing I've been doing recently is, it's part of my practice regimen. Every time I pick up the banjo now, the first thing that I do with it, and I, I kind of got this from from Brian Alley, who is an awesome banjo player for the band Never Come Down. And I just produced um, a great new record for them. They're a tremendous band. And Brian's a great banjo player. And he sort of got me on this idea. Every time I pick it up, the first thing I do, the very first thing I do has got to be like something I've never done. So, and it's, you, you can't believe how hard this is, you know? Yeah. And so it could be like something where I'm playing like, you know, You know, or or maybe um, a thing I came up with the other day is I play like uh, like on the third and fourth strings, like like I never did, and now I'm and now like that's one of the licks that's kind of like sticking around and yeah. and. And it came from this exercise, but it's not as much about creating new ideas as it is about getting yourself in that beginner's mindset. Right. And and then also like just opening this door to an energy of newness and discovery on an instrument that is very much about like set pathways. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'll play this song yeah. and then we'll talk more. This one's called Big Bend. Um, <laughs> and it goes like this. Thank you. 
good. That's great. Thank and you, you could you could really see yourself getting into the into the the moment too, really really <laughs> focusing to be yeah you know, totally present. It's, it's so it's funny you mentioned that because you know th this is what I this is sort of what I what I love about like for example the challenge presented here and like what I realized in my practice was was not only it's not only about staying present but such a big thing for me is not letting a mistake derail my musical energy okay mm -hmm. so and i'm again another thing i've been very guilty of through you know uh parts of my career where i just yeah i was just very self-aware and, and very aware of people listening and and mm -hmm. did, were they gonna like how i sounded and these these are very very natural things you know you you cannot beat yourself up over that kind of thing but you know you you do need a strategy to to not let it take you out of the game and so for me I mean, as I was getting ready for this, I noticed, so like the first few times, you know, in, in the last week or whatever, I'm playing these songs, I'd make a mistake and I'd like stop. And then I'd go back and I, and I realized like, okay, like when I'm doing like this stream or any stream or any live performance for that yeah. matter, like this isn't gonna work. Now, when you're playing with a band and there's all this other noise going on, well, right. surprise, surprise, you can get away with a lot. But when it's just you here and you know, for this, this song is sort of like a good one solo and, and it makes it tricky to play because I'm playing all this bass stuff in a So it, it, the, the picking is like the, a lot of the stuff I'm doing, you know, is pretty complex in there and and but it's a really it's a, it's a song that I'm proud of and you know, it's like well, you know, you can practice it a lot and get it under your fingers, but there's this whole other discipline of like staying with the music, you know, and mm -hmm. staying with what you're doing. And part of that is not letting a mistake mess up your musical flow. And and it it points to the reality that not all mistakes are created equal, right? There's like different types of mistakes. And you're, my favorite improvisers, like my, my favorite improviser of all time, John Schofield, the electric guitar player. Sure. I'm a huge fan. And his playing is full of what could be considered mistakes, like flubbed notes or mm -hmm. weird notes that might not sound right, you know, but um, it's like that Miles Davis quote, you know, it's, it's like yeah. when, when you play a wrong note, you know, help is a half step away, you know, something like, <laughs> something like that. And, yeah. and it's true, like, when you believe in what you're doing, and I am by no means an expert at this, but that's what that was, was like, I hit a wrong string or something. And I just like, I go, I need, you need to go in more at that point. And, and so it's, it's exercising that thing. And, um, and another thing I do to that end is, you know, there's a lot of talk about breath work and breathing mm -hmm. when you're playing, which is very, very important. And I work on that and I've got a little list of, you know, things that I try to work on in my practice, but breathing in the abstract, like that's a pretty general, pretty vague assignment. So what I've narrowed it down to now is 
when I hit a rough patch or when I'm coming to a passage that I know is hard, I'll take a big breath through my nose. And it's like teaching my body that that is a mechanism that I can use to help me stay on track with the music. So big, bigger than just breathe while you're playing, which is important and is something that you need to remember to do. It's actually bringing it into a specific part of the music and, and, and then turning it into sort of a tool that helps you stay present with what's going on. Because you can make mistakes, but they don't necessarily, they don't affect the quality of your playing if you really believe in what you're doing. You know, in right. fact, they show a sort of a humanity in there that I think can be can be really cool. So and I've made the other kind of mistakes, too, which is just like you're, you know, you're self-conscious and your timing is like a little off. And the overall general statement is just not as dialed as you want. But when you're playing and you believe in what you're playing and you have a little flub, it's like, eh, who cares? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, we got a question from from uh, was music is 1685 but um uh says chris when you someone wants you to play on short notice what type of warm-ups do you Mm. you favor yeah really really good question um you know i i guess you know uh, the the main thing that i can speak of speak to is being ready to play with the dusters you know which we play so many gigs you always got to be ready and I, I need to work on playing fast. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to be playing fast live, my goal is to practice faster than I'm actually gonna play. Because you know if you have to play at 150 beats per minute, your best way you can practice that is to play at 160 beats per minute. Now on short notice, like if someone, and this has happened, you know, I'm giving it a rest for a few days or I've got producing or podcast or whatever, and, and I need to work on, on short notice, First thing I do is just get that focus on relaxation going. So I start with my right hand and I just make sure I'm playing really relaxed. And then I I scale it up to speed, keeping that relaxation factor intact. Yeah. Um, let's see, I know we have, a, we have a hard stop at the top of the hour, but the, I want to um, change course a little bit. And, and yeah, I want to talk we, about Yeah, and if this. we go a couple minutes over, it's sure. no worries. But I want I want to get to the the String Dusters new record um, a tribute to to Flat and Scruggs, um, which came out this past spring, which is a fantastic you know uh, album playing playing tunes of uh, six tunes an EP of of Flat and Scruggs and um, like how do you deal with like here's here's a pressure spot for you especially <laughs> being the banjo player you're playing some of these like Earl's Breakdown you know you know, most of the bluegrass banjo playing world, you know, has played that tune before and knows that tune in and out. How do you go about recording this without all that pressure and all that judgment of the banjo universe coming? Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe I'm going to go to banjo hell, whether I like it or not. (laughs) You know, that's not necessarily up to me. But just like all this other stuff I've been talking about, you know, I, I just all I can do is me. And... I, I have my strengths and I have my weaknesses, but I know that when I believe in what I'm doing, that it's good enough for me and that, and that people, and that people dig it, you know? So yeah. I don't, I, I did, I will say I did, it was cool. I did learn some little, um, Scruggs isms, um, like the, like the kickoff 
to Blue Ridge Cabin Home. does this thing like I just always did but he does well beaten path because the melody goes up to that high D so I I learned some of that stuff but then ultimately you know I just kind of did my thing and 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 did my best and and just tried to again just believe in what I was doing I mean Earl Scruggs is like the most, to me, he's kind of the most legendary musician of all time. And the reason for that is because what other musician can you think of without any real precedent who came up with a style that has endured the way his has? Right. Can you even, I mean, I can't even think of one other musician who came up with a style almost out of thin air. And then if you look at the other instruments, like, Monroe's mandolin playing is great, and there are people who still use use those licks. But look how refined the mandolin has become in the hands of Chris Thiele and and, mm-hmm. and, the, and these cats. You know, same thing with fiddle. Like I love Paul Warren to death, but listen to Stuart Duncan, and it's like this yeah. unbelievable evolution of the instrument. And and Earl Bluegrass guys still want to play it exactly like Earl Scruggs, and they always will. Like it's it's insane. I mean, it they really are not. You know, you could you could make a similar claim about Tony Rice and the influence he's had, but there were guys before him like Clarence White who were right. really laying that groundwork, and and Earl just just didn't have that. So it was it was a fun challenge, and you know I feel so lucky to have seen him live, and will always like every other banjo player out there look up to his playing for all eternity. I've I've heard you talk about this on your on your podcast about. Um advice that I think it was Bill Emerson gave you about learning your Scruggs licks in, in order to help your, what you do uh, yes. being yourself. I, I think it's important to yes. bring up here. Ben Eldridge, um, actually. Ben Eldridge. It was Ben who said that and Critter and I, um, you know, were rolling together a lot in those days and it was like right at the beginning of the string dusters. And, you know, we, before we were kind of getting formed and that was when Punch Brothers formed and, and and critter went to do that but we lived together for years and i spent a lot of time with ben and he was a great mentor and it was like the best banjo advice i had ever gotten because i came in the band the side door of banjo i mean when i got my first banjo i was just listening to bela fleck tones yeah exactly and and arguably the best place to start and also sort of the worst place to start (laughs) because i was playing tunes that were so over my head now you know it all came full circle but he said, you have to learn Scruggs because that's what's going to put the ideas in context. That's what's going to take the more outside ideas and put them in a framework. And he's right. You know, it, it's Earl who sort of created this concept. Of, and how I sort of explain it is like, like we're like resting, like, and then a phrase. Like it's like this framework, you know, and and I I never 
and I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like when a horn player plays, they play a phrase and they stop and they take a breath, but we don't right. stop, you know? Yeah. We play a phrase, you know, or, what that's what helped me to understand that and then of course this epic lexicon of licks too but you know i like i've never the easiest thing for me has always been to make up my own stuff you know like i i really listen to a lot of different types of music and and versus some people who the easiest thing for them is just to get a handle on this scruggs thing which took me a long time to get a handle on and it's a lifetime a lifetime's worth of work but I love working on it. And, you know, what I do know, again, really helps me, I think, to... And then this is what Ben Eldridge says. He said, you got to learn Scruggs style to put the more progressive ideas in context, you know, so that when you so that when you play, you know... And you've got... Because with, without that, what can you yeah. do? You're just kind of, yeah. kind of constantly playing ideas and it never like settles you never give the listener a good chance to like digest what's going on so um so yeah great advice for every banjo player i mean you 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 will never find an experienced banjo player a professional banjo player who doesn't you know give utmost respect to earl yeah. and, and like i said i really i can't think of another musician who has done what he has done um, let's get into some gear. What, Please. you know, we'll start off with, uh, what, what picks are you using here? So I'm using the, the, the pro pick heritage that, that Deering is, is making and they're awesome. Um, you know, they're a single wrap, like, um, replica of, of old nationals and they sound great. They feel great. I, I have a lot of bend on, on, wow, yeah, on my picks, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and that's because, one thing I found in my sort of technical revamp is that these, for me, the fingers need to be like curled under, like okay. to be really relaxed. You can see I'm, how can I, you can see how curled under they are in there. Yeah. You know, if I start to get out like this, I, I start to become inefficient. So, and it's curl, curling the fingers under, um, and they just sound great. They feel great. And I'm using a, a, a blue chip, um a blue chip medium with this like scooped blade design okay cool um let's see we're getting near the top of the hour but um i want to talk about yeah, uh inside the musician's brain a little yes, bit yes um because that i've we've, we've been sponsoring it everybody but i i it's one of my favorite uh podcasts to listen to i really really recommend it um who who's a guest that you're having on who's your next guest that's coming up uh, so my next guest is Allison Brown, right. and then um, this uh, I, I will we'll, we'll make this a Deering Live exclusive here because I haven't shared <laughs> shared this with the world yet. But the next guest after that is Mike Gordon, bass player from Fish, which is, which is really really exciting. Um, and then rounding out the season with a few guests, and I, I and I should take a minute to say thank you, David, for jumping on board because. You guys are like the perfect sponsor, not only because 
I know and can get behind during both the banjos, the picks, but also the people. Like you guys are awesome. And I've known Jamie and, you know, um, for years at IBMA, you know, have hung with the family. And so it's been really cool and a full circle thing. But also for me, just like getting more acquainted with the depth of what you guys do has been really cool. Like for example, this resource and all that you've got on your website and the good time banjo, which is such a cool thing. Like when I was starting out banjo, I could, I was looking for the good time, right. and could not find one. And, you know, so my mom tells this story always about how she went to Guitar Center and she said, I want to buy a banjo for my son. They said, oh, don't don't get him a banjo. You know, he'll never stick with it. And now she always talks about how she wants to go back and find that guy <laughs> and give him, you know, a copy of the String Dusters album or whatever. But you literally you couldn't couldn't find a decent, affordable banjo back then. And so it's just like it's awesome. It's just opening the door for people to try this thing and see if they're, you know, get into it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been great working with, with you. And, and uh, I mean, some, you know, it's not just a banjo uh, podcast. He, Chris is, Chris is interviewing musicians of, of the full spectrum. One of my favorites is uh, the Chris Wood episode. Oh, That's man. a really, really good one. All of them are really great. Or, uh, or you turned me on to a, a band a musician that I didn't know about his gold, his golden messenger, his golden messenger. Yeah. yeah. So great. I love those guys. And that Chris Wood episode, man, that I, I think about that. I think about things that he said in that interview every day since then, you know, that the one I'm thinking about now a lot is how he talks about don't take credit. You know, he gives, he lays out these sort of like three, four step things, the BLT, you know, breathe, listen, and trust. And yeah, right, right, right. these right. great monumental lessons that just take time to live with. And, and there, there was so much great knowledge in that. But yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been such a, a great outlet for me doing the podcast, you know, in my fourth season now. And, um, you know, it's helped introduce me to new artists. But these conversations, I mean, how cool that I, I get to sit with these people and pick their brains, you know, everyone from Bela Fleck to... Billy Strings, Madison Cunningham, Sierra Hall, like these are incredible musicians yeah. who have so much experience and so much to tell. And my goal, aside from my selfish goal of learning the things that I want to learn from them, right. is is helping fans get acquainted with how thoughtful these people are and the depth of what goes into making this music and and i and i really believe that that helps you make a much stronger connection with your fans and so trying to get get that story out there and help people understand and appreciate just how much goes into creating music living life as a professional musician being on tour all these things there's just a lot to it that you never hear about as a fan and so you know it's it's all these different things but it's been it's been a great outlet for me and again i'm really grateful um you know to deering for sponsoring this season it's been awesome working with you guys yeah well chris uh thanks for thanks for doing here doing being here and uh we'd love to you know sometime in the future get you back on there's yeah you have a ton of, of you know a ton of information we have a lot more we could always keep digging into let's uh let's do it um let's definitely do it we'll look at the calendar and find the time you know Definitely. A few months from now, and, and when you guys got a, a spot, I'd love to come on again. Sounds good. Well, everybody, um, get out, see a String Duster show, 
go uh, check out um, the String Dust. Download the String Dusters new album, the Splat and Scruggs album. They also released a new single just this week. I noticed as it was. Yeah. Um, so uh, check that out. And definitely check out Chris's podcast, Inside the Musician's Brain. It's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, everywhere, I, I believe. You know. Yeah. And uh, all right. Want to play cool. a tune? Us, play I'll take out? you guys out with, with this um, this ambitious new tune that sort of grew. You know, like, like I was saying, it was sort of an exercise. Um, it's a world premiere, essentially. I'll see if I can pull it off. Yeah, I'll see, I'll see if I can pull it off. Um, let's see. Okay. All right, it goes like this. Uh.